I just remember having a discussion with Sarah at one point where I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'd want a kid, but at the same time, I'd be able to buy a lot less comics if I had a baby in the house. <laughs> like, yep. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the podcast where we forge for fabulous four-color finds, one issue at a time. My name is Mike Thompson, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, the Muffin of Mayhem herself, Jessica Frazier. I am a muffin! <laughs> I also <laughs> very much liked your tagline. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah, you know. Can't complain. It's <laughs> it's a Tuesday night. I love how you you always say can't complain, but it you have an underlying hint of complaint about it. It's like I could complain. <laughs> I could complain. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if you are new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discovery mini-episodes that we do in between those deep dives. The gist is we spend a lot of time rooting through Dollar Bins at local shops, always looking for interesting stuff, and while a lot of the stuff that we do find is weird and interesting, there may not be enough for us to do a deep dive on, but that's just for the moment. We reserve the right to change our mind in the future. Each episode features both of us talking about one random issue that we came across in the Dollar Bins and focusing on what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. Basically, these are mini episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content in between our more in-depth discussions about the weirder and interesting moments of comic book history. All right, Jessica, you are up first. What is being discussed tonight? So let me start off by saying I did this to myself. Full knowledge, eyes wide open, but here we are. <laughs> I mean... so. I feel like that's a good segue into since since I knew you were going to ask me to describe your cover in a minute, I would love for you to also describe the cover that I have <laughs> oh, presented to you. All right. So the title is Cave Woman Castaway. Good <laughs> lord. Okay, so I like the the imprint <laughs> the imprint is kind of covered up by some buxom woman, but it says basement and I can't read the rest of the name on it. But I'm like, this feels like something that you would see on a poster in someone's basement. <laughs> if we didn't already have the title on this, this looks almost like a cover for that Debbie Does Dallas series that we talked about a year ago. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it it is a very buxom woman in like a an animal print bikini including she's got like the jungle kind of motif of like teeth on the string uh around her hips she's on a raft holding i'm assuming an oar she's got a knife she looks still like she's in distress and there is i don't know godzilla rising up out of the water behind her like <laughs> it is a vibe man and <laughs> i don't know this is <laughs> i'm already dubious about this book yeah, you might be wondering why I picked it up, and I'm going to tell you the real reason. It's because I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> that is why. 
so this is again the title is Cave Women Castaway, published June 2015 by Basement Comics. I was just covering up. Oh, the word it's just it's just Basement movies. Comics. Okay, Basement Comics. Yeah, story and art by Devin Massey. Cave Woman was created by Bud Root, publisher Kevin Alsup. Production was Michael Burrell. So this is a one shot in the Cave Woman universe, which, my friend, there is a there's cave a woman universe outer universe outside of this. But here's Good the thing: fucking God, wait for it, wait for it. I'm not gonna lie, like. This was cheeky and way funnier than I really initially wanted to give it credit for. So we start out with Cavewoman, who is incredibly scantily clad, just as you see her on on the cover there. And she is paddleboarding down the river on a raft in search of a couple missing children. And she has to fight through a giant crocodile that eats her board and then she fights a giant crab and she snaps off a pincer and is like, dinner was a snap. <laughs> and <laughs> then, of course, she gets stranded on a desert island where she discovers that the kids are also stranded there with their 18-year-old brother. Who The reason she finds out that they are even there is because the 18-year-old brother, who they very clearly, they make sure... That the audience is aware that he is 18 years old. I can tell where this is going already. <laughs> He's immediately creeping on Cavewoman and spying on her while she's bathing. So she figures that out by like spidey female senses of like someone's watching me, which <laughs> if you've ever known a woman, you know that we know when we're being watched because we have to know. She ends up saving the day. They're all going to take the boat away because it just really got stuck on some rocks, but it like still right. has an engine because she's the only one who's a cave person. Like everyone else is just in modern times, by the way. So she. <laughs> to, yeah. Okay. Like... <laughs> she just dresses like it. She just is a cave woman and she's so like she's, massively she's just strong. Like, so, okay. So she's just kind of like a Betty Page, you know. Uh... What? I, I don't know enough about Cavewoman. My guess would be that she probably time-traveled somehow. Okay, so the look of her gives off some, like, kind of like Wish Betty Page vibes. Yes. Like, clearly they were pulling from, from that for inspiration, but they are also trying to avoid getting the bejesus sued out of them by whoever owns those rights. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe okay. so, maybe so. I don't know. I don't know if it's is as similar as all that. Well, maybe. I mean, mm. looks wise, yes. Looks yeah. wise, yes. <laughs> Vi vibe all the way vibe wise. I don't. Okay. So the boat was like really just stuck on some rocks, right? Like right. the motor was fine, and she literally just picks this thing up and goes flop and like dumps it in the water because again, she's massively strong. And the artist makes sure to, like, put how many muscles she has in there and how beefy her legs and her arms are, and which I love. Mm -hmm. I love that. And the older bro in the nighttime goes and fucking damages the engine because he's fallen in love with her, even though, like, she said already that she has a boyfriend. So he's, like, trying to stay on the island like a fucking incel. Like a fucking manipulative narcissist. Giving off some real Andrew Tate vibes there. 
which oh I my, mean, seriously, <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And then he was like, "Hey, do you want to join my webcam business?" Yeah. No. I mean, here's the, like we were recording this. <laughs> we were recording this about a month before it's going to drop. So who knows what the latest twist or turn will be in the Andrew Tate saga. But at this point, he's just been arrested. So that's where we're at for everyone yeah. on the timeline. So she's like, well, fuck that. We're still getting out of here. You may have damaged that engine, but I will be the engine, bitch. She literally said, no, I'll just be the engine. And she so made oars. Does and she, she know just that he like damaged rode. it? Does she know that he oh, did yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, 100%. And so gets them out. She also insults him. Because she says that maybe he'd have a girlfriend if he wasn't so damn selfish. <laughs> no notes. Gold stars all around. Right. A plus. So the comic is in black and white. And there's literally, there's mm. no nudity. There's no nudity. None. Zero nudity. Everything's covered up. That was actually hair. surprising. Same. Same. Because I really thought I was walking into something. I was very pleasantly surprised by this comic. The innuendos actually had me giggling. There was mm. this one point where she was like swept onto shore and she had been knocked unconscious and she's like splayed out. And the first thing she wakes up and thinks is, I can't believe I haven't been eaten yet. That's really funny. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. <laughs> so pleasantly surprised by this. I I wrote in my notes not to say I'm going to go hunt down the whole series, but I'm not going to lie. Like, as I'm thinking about it, it's kind of growing on me. So I might <laughs> actually see about checking more of these out. Good. She is portrayed as a strong woman, and she is a admired for how strong she is. And fun fact, it actually passes the Bechdel test. What? Because one of the little kids is a girl, and they have a dialogue, like, a couple of times. And she also says... Aren't you the naked lady who kills dinos? Because apparently that's a thing. And she also says you're really strong for a naked lady, which I thought was very funny. Oh, my God. That's really great. <laughs> so it, it, it actually was pretty funny. It actually really surprised me. <laughs> I dig it. That <laughs> I kind of want to read this now. Right? I did not expect that outcome when we started this part of the episode. I will slip it into your borrow pile. We've already oh, thank got you. going. It's cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, okay. So what about you? What have you got for us? Uh, what gift have you brought us? <laughs> so in another strange moment of synergy between us, I came to the table tonight with a black and white comic that has a cover that I want you to describe. So this is... <laughs> Red Fox number one, published in January of 1986 by Harrier Comics. What? How did we do this? Folks, <laughs> this was not on purpose. This is the most wild thing. We need to stop black and white and everything. I know, right? Shut the fuck up. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a black, predominantly black comic. It has a gray band across the top that says Harrier Comics Presents. And in big red letters with white trim, it says Red Fox. This really bold print, capital letters. So Red Fox, the aforementioned <laughs> Red Fox. Ooh, let me tell you about her, my friends. Because it is indeed a her. And I also, my gay ass, also, as a little hint to the listeners, 
would have picked this up. Yes, I would have. I'll put it in your borrow pile. (laughs) (laughs) Balfey. So Red Fox, she is also a very beefy lady. She is standing there. She's got a sword, a very long sword behind her back. She has one glove and she is wearing like what looks like an open front corset with just like about like between four and two and four inches of exposed just front of her and just big old knockers. Gotta love it. Also, she's wearing these, oh, just underwear, (laughs) but also these fantastic thigh-high boots that look like they are wearing their own crowns. They are Mm -hmm. that majestic. And they are heels, of course, because, you know, of course Why wouldn't they be? And then there's an eagle on the bottom, which I know eagles don't make that noise, but they do now. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> wow mike that is something <laughs> yeah it so what's happening mike tell me <laughs> yeah so the interesting thing is that harrier it was actually a british publisher from the 80s that was printing comics for distribution in both the uk and the u.s this was written and illustrated by fox lewis it had additional dialogue by mike lewis interior decorations by carl Cropley and was lettered by Melvin James. So I had to do a little research on it because I needed a little more background. The comic is actually some revised and redrawn versions of shorter comics from a fanzine called Dragon Lords, apparently. So they, from what I understand, they had the Adventures of Red Box as kind of comic strips in this fanzine, and then they decided to make their own comic, and they took the original stuff and then redrew it and kind of refined it. The core story follows the aforementioned barbarian adventure red fox as she searches for the treasure of this sinister looking tomb in the desert that seems to be kind of a mashup of the sphinx and one of the great pyramids initially she winds up encountering a monster named trog who she gets ready to fight and he instead is like nah you should pick on someone your own size because he's like three times as big as her. He then actually provides her with the directions to the throne room and sends her on her way. And as she explores the building, she escapes some death traps and is eventually captured by an evil sorcerer named uncle who monologues at her for a minute with kind of like a Jersey accent, apparently. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And then he leaves her chained up because he thinks she's a spy and he doesn't want her getting into trouble. And she's like, no, no, I'm here just to loot the tomb. He's like, whatever. (laughs) Trog rescues Red Fox, reveals that he works for the Dungeon Works Department, and his job is to clean up bodies, put slime on the walls. You know, the usual. And he takes her to the throne room, where it turns out there's no fabulous treasure, there's just this old man sleeping on an altar. And he suddenly wakes up, and he reveals that he is the sorcerer Astok of Galtea, who has been trapped in the crypt ever since Uncle ambushed him. And he's been in this kind of healing sleep until his servants could get an amulet to him via an adventurer. And Red Fox is that adventurer. So Red Fox gives him the amulet. He teleports them back to his tower. And then he basically offers Red Fox an apprenticeship to become a sorcerer like him. And she takes him up on it. And that that's pretty much it. Oh. The art is a little rough. It reminded me of a little bit more of a detailed version of that art that we had in the Debbie Does Dallas comics from the 80s, where it's like, you know, it's very simple. 
and kind of basic. The dialogue is also a bit heavy on the exposition. It's not terrible as opposed to some other books that we've read, but there's a lot, there's a lot of telling as opposed to showing, but uh, you know, like I'm going to say it's a cute comic. I liked how it takes this tongue in cheek approach to dungeon adventures and fantasy and it's also interesting as a piece of comics history, since it's an artifact from that era when black and white indie comics were just flooding the market. And I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of tempted to start tracking down issues of this, because I think this might actually make for a decent full-length episode. Okay. I yeah. I know. I kind of was, <laughs> as I was thinking about I was thinking about Cavewoman, too. I was like... How far down this rabbit hole am yeah. I about to go? Like, are, is this is this going to be some like later down the road episode, friends? It just might be. It might be. <laughs> I don't know. We we found a couple so far that that are things that we have talked about turning into full length episodes, and I'm yeah. genuinely excited about a few of them. Like, I I still really want to track down more information about that Captain Nauticus and the Ocean Force comic. But yes, I've hit up the museum that it's tied to several times on Twitter and called them on the phone. And have gotten nowhere. Like I've never so gotten a response. So we need to go there. Where is it? Uh, it's like the Mike. I'll go. <laughs> it's in like Virginia, I think. Hold on. Okay, fine, easy. <laughs> we could hang out with Brad and Lisa. We could get them to yes. come with us. Oh, oh no! It's an adventure. <laughs> yeah the the Nauticus Maritime Discovery Museum. It's in Norfolk, Virginia. I'm in. Yeah, you son of a bitch, I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, so with that, I think that is going to wrap everything up today. We will be back next week with a full-length episode. Who knows what that's going to be? We record the Dollar Bin Discoveries pretty far in advance all at once, so we're a little ahead of ourselves in terms of timing. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson. Written by Mike Thompson and Jessica Frazier. And edited by Mike Thompson and Jessica Frazier. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jarrett Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan MacDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who's at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter for now. The official podcast account is tencenttakes, all one word. Jessica is Jessica with a, and Jessica is spelled with a K. And Mike is Vansau, V-A-N-S-A-U. We're also on Hive, Mastodon, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. The complete list is in the show notes. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop.